Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Vredestein Pinza AT. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up, everybody? It's me, Jason McIntyre. You can detect the glee in my voice. Straight Fire! For Wednesday, May 26th. Oh, do we have a podcast for you today? Oh, oh, this is this is a glorious morning, especially in Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I can't contain my excitement. First of all, I gotta say we have a great guest coming up. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, NBC Sports. He's worked a ton of places, plugged in on the NBA. We talk about a little bit of the playoffs, a little bit of the offseason, this midseason tournament idea, I think you're going to like it. Obviously, this podcast is going to be heavy on what happened to the Los Angeles teams in the playoffs on Tuesday night. I will just say, what a night of basketball. And, you know, Rob G and I decided we were not going to discuss our takes um, before. I was just going to come in clean. We were just going to come in hot. I'm going to fire on all cylinders, nothing structured. And how can you be structured after what we witnessed Tuesday night? I mean, uh, Rob, I I mean, you know, part of me is like, oh, Lakers, what a great, what a win, what a fourth quarter. I, I mean, that was an awesome game, and I really, really want to open with the Lakers. 
But the Clippers being down 0-2 to the Mavericks is shocking. I can't recall an 0-2 deficit like this in the NBA playoffs in recent memory. I mean, to me, this is absolutely stunning. Remember, folks, just a couple weeks ago, the paperclips, and hell yeah, I'm calling them the paperclips, Clipper Daryl. Clipper Daryl, of course, the guest on Monday's podcast, he said he was going to retire his shtick if the Clippers lose a series. I had a friend text me that he was watching the game with a buddy, and his friend was shouting, Clipper Daryl! At the screen, and they were having fun. Um, I don't. I just. I'm stunned by the Clippers. And just consider this. All right, we will start with the Lakers, but just consider this on the Clippers. They shot 54 percent from the field, 40 percent from three, 90 percent from the line. Kawhi had 41. Paul George had 28 and 12, and they lost. If I just told you the stat line and what the Clippers shot from the field, you'd be like, "Oh, they obviously won the game." And they lost. But I think we got to start with the Lakers, right, Rob? Uh, Rob G., uh, the creator of hashtag future Laker. I don't know. Uh, does Kawhi Leonard get a hashtag future Laker tag? I mean, I can't imagine it. But the Lakers, they got through it. Uh, game two, Lakers defeat the Suns thanks to a monster fourth quarter from LeBron, LeBron and Anthony Davis. I'm going to say my big takeaway is Chris Paul. And it's a little bit sad. And Rob and I both work with a guy who uh, you guys know pretty well, Karan Butler. And, you know, he knows Chris Paul well. He's seen him before. And every year it's the same thing. Chris Paul tries so hard in the regular season and dominates. He was number, I think he was number one or number two against the spread in OKC. And he was definitely number two this year in Phoenix. He's a great regular season player. And then the playoffs come, and he gets so tight and so wound up. Oh, I got to do this. You guys know this. You play sports. Um, I said I played volleyball Sunday, and, I, you know, the ball's coming my way, and I'm like, all right, I've got, like, five things to remember. And you try so hard that you screw up. And Chris Paul tries so hard, he gets hurt all the time. He just gets injured. Now, it was unclear how bad the injury was, but Chris Paul sits out a lot of the third. The Lakers open up a lead. But here's the weird part, Rob. They made a rally with Devin Booker on the bench in the fourth and Cam, Cam Payne leading the way. Major Payne, like Cameron Payne, uh, the Murray State uh, legend. Cam Payne was great. He had 19. But Devin Booker did not make a basket in the fourth quarter. Did not make a three-pointer in the game. He did hit 17 of 17 free throws. But it was essentially the Lakers defense locked down. Um, DeAndre Aiden did not have a basket in the final five minutes. And Aiton was a monster. Uh, for a large stretches of the game, he outplayed Anthony Davis. And then, of course, you know, one-point game, come out of a timeout, LeBron patented 20-foot fadeaway over Cameron Johnson. Swish. You're just like, oh, how does he do that? And then the Suns empty trip. Then AD hits a three, and it's like, okay, that's a wrap. Um, impressive intestinal fortitude from the Lakers, Rob. I, I know everybody's going to say, oh, Anthony Davis was phenomenal, 34 and 10 and 7, and he made 18 free throws. Honestly, I thought Dennis Schroeder was the hero for the Lakers. He was absolutely phenomenal and electric offensively. And remember, there's a Lakers team that scored, what was it, 90 points in the last game? They had 87 before a fluke three-pointer at the end. And Dennis Schroeder had 24 points. Looks like he's fully bounced back from COVID. Um, 
he was outstanding offensively, and they needed that because it's pretty clear, guys, the days of LeBron taking 20, 25 shots are probably over. I mean, he took 16 shots against the Suns. That's it. Did have 23 and 9 assists. Great game from LeBron. Great fourth quarter. Rob, I don't want to say the series is over, but the Chris Paul injury combined with the Lakers slowing down Devin Booker and it feels like the Lakers took control and the Suns are like, damn, I don't know if we can beat this team. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Phoenix Suns and you have a banged up Chris Paul, you cannot waste the quote-unquote campaign game. Like, that is the game. You're not going to get that very often. So when you have a performance like that from an unsuspecting guy, those are games you have to win. And, you know, the Lakers shooters still can't hit the uh, throw a pee in the ocean. But kudos to them because in any series, outside of maybe Brooklyn, the Lakers are going to go into it with the two best players every time. And so long as those two best players are locked in mentally, which LeBron and AD were last night, I like the Lakers every time. Yeah. So assuming when they get back to LA for game three, you hope KCP gets out of his funk. You hope uh, maybe Wes Matthews can make a, a jump shot here or there. And, and suddenly that 15-point lead they had in the third quarter is a 23-point lead. Yeah. So. I'm very confident I, I, as a Laker fan. I, I will agree. And and listen, we're not going to talk about the Nets. They shredded the Celtics again. Um, I, I, the Nets look incredible. Again, Boston is dinged up. You know, people are going to kill Boston. That's fine. But Jalen Brown's not there. This is not the same team. Um, you know, the Lakers defensively will have trouble. <laughs> you know, you, you watch the Nets and you're like, oh, geez. You know. You got to stop Kyrie Harden and Durant when they're on the floor together, Rob. It's, I mean, it's pretty electric. I will say, I, I, I'm not a big Kyrie guy. I'm sure you guys have listened to the pod know this, but holy hell, they look amazing um, when they have the ball and it's popping out of their hands. It's not even that sticky with Kyrie. And by the way, Kyrie Irving, like, uh, he's just incredible. Like, he's a better offensive player than anybody the Lakers have, and I would consider him the third best offensive player on the Nets. Uh, and that's not a knock on Anthony Davis or 36-year-old LeBron. But, uh, you know, the Lakers, are they getting 15 and 12, Rob, from Andre Drummond every game? Uh, Andre Drummond made me look like an ass clown. Oh, me too. Um, I gave out five bets for Fox Sports, four and one, great night. But I thought Andre Drummond would probably ride the pine a lot, and they'd go Anthony Davis at center. Uh, hello, Frank Vogel knows a little bit more about basketball than I do, and Andre Drummond worked uh, at center. But, Rob... KCP, 0 for 4. One of the craziest stat lines you'll see. KCP, 0 for 4 in 31 minutes. If you noticed in the fourth quarter, he didn't want to shoot the ball. He kept making that extra pass, the hockey pass. He didn't score in the game, but he had a team-high plus 19. In the fourth, they went to they went to a, a timeout, and LeBron was chewing out KCP. You've got to shoot the ball. And KCP, didn't. he looked like he didn't want it. I don't know, Rob. I, I was a little surprised at KCP's reluctance in this one. Uh, yeah, especially considering that he actually had a good season and prior to this series was shooting the ball pretty well to close the season. Um, he's definitely going to have to step it up because the Lakers have bigger goals than to just beat Phoenix in round one. And I think that, um, yeah. you know, I think the Lakers are going to win. I think that has got him in six anyways for even before the series started. We'll see yeah. how the Chris Paul injury affects that. But for them to get to where they want to go, they're going to need Contavious Caldwell Pope to be able to hit an open jump shot and, and not be scared yeah. to take it. Um, interesting, perhaps only to me, Montrez Harold did not even play. 
I mean, well, he can't play in this in, against them. You can't I, if you're gonna play, you you have to choose one or the other between Drummond and Trez, and and they've decided weeks ago that Drummond was their center of the future and and their starting center. So I don't think you can play both of them because it's just it's too clunky. I mean, the, the Lakers yeah. aren't a good shooting team, anyways. Anthony Davis, save for you know maybe that late three there at the end with two minutes left, he couldn't buy an outside jumper most of the game. Yeah, so a couple uh, of air balls. Yeah, you yeah. you can't you can't clog the lane that often if you're the Lakers. It, this is again, yeah, you don't want to dive too deep in a box score. LeBron only four rebounds, one for one on free throws. This is a different LeBron, guys. You know, he's not the behemoth driving, get, getting to the line, and all. That. He's just a different guy. Uh, his three point shot, uh, four of nine, but he hit the ones that counted. Uh, efficient nine of sixteen. Listen, LeBron is ma- he's you, you. This is why you can't bet against the Lakers in the fourth quarter. Lakers up by one. Who's getting the ball? It's got to be LeBron. I'm a little surprised the Suns have kept Cam Johnson on him, but such is life. Uh, Jay Crowder couldn't buy a bucket for a while. Bridges, uh, total non-factor. Um, yeah, I don't. I still think Lakers in six. All right, I, I need to talk about the Clippers here. Yes, before we get to Chris Mannix, yes. our guest, and. I've got to say, like, mentally, I don't know how the Clippers bounce back from this. Because remember, in L.A., limited number of fans. You go to Texas, I think the baseball stadium is full. I don't know how full the basketball arena will be, but it is going to be rocking. And I'm telling you right now, you look at that Dallas team, and all I see is confidence. Jalen Brunson, Josh Richardson, uh, Tim Hardaway. 28 points, 6 of 8 from 3. You guys told me, including to Clipper Darrell, well, Dorian Finney-Smith, he can't do that two games in a row. You're right, he couldn't. He was 1 of 6 for 3 points. But Hardaway hit his. And you know what? If it ain't Hardaway, it's going to be Maxi Kleber. And if it ain't him, it's going to be Porzingis. And if it ain't Porzingis, it's going to be Jalen Brunson off the bench or Josh Richardson. This Dallas team is just better than the Clippers. That's the bottom line. This is a terrible Clippers defensive team. Rob, you watch that fourth quarter. Because, I, I mean, I, I'm texting like 10 different Laker fans. Like, how is this happening? All Dallas did, this was not hard. They spread the floor. They ran that little handoff play. And then it eventually was Luka Doncic making magic happen because nobody can friggin' guard him. Paul George has no chance against Luka. None. His days of being a defensive stopper are over. Kawhi Leonard did not want the smoke. He would, off the screen, he would just hand him off. Like, I thought you were a superstar, Kawhi. I'm glad you pointed that out because that is embarrassing if you're a And Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly, who Chris Broussard has told me for years now. (laughs) Oh, they're dogs. I I know uh, Broussard's not here to defend himself. We can can have him on later. We're friends. Um, Beverly's a dog. Oh, man, you need those dogs. Patrick Beverly continues to get deep-pantsed by Luka Doncic. 22-year-old European kid just punking the shit out of Patrick Beverly. I mean, Rob... He took, he used him like toilet paper twice and then let him hear about it on the way up the court. I'm telling you, man, this guy, Luca, you watch him. Rob, 16 or 29, 39.7 rebounds, seven assists. Now, he did miss a ton of free throws, which is scary, and he had seven turnovers. But I'm just telling you, this guy is fearless, and right now he's unguardable. And I'm so rattled by the Clippers. Rob, I would. So the Mavericks will play the Jazz or Grizzlies in the next round. Correct. 
I mean, I'm just trying to spin this forward. Are the Mavericks going to the conference finals? Is this a thing? Well, they're going to have to defend at some point. I mean, luckily for them, you know, the, the Clippers aren't interested in defending either. But I would assume that Memphis and Utah would put up a little bit more of a fight. I I, I'm glad that you brought up the, the Kawhi and Paul George situation just because I understand in the course of a 48-minute game, especially a playoff game, it's unreasonable these days to expect the best player to defend the other best player or however. There's, just, there's too much strain on your body. They're also the offensive creators. I, I understand that. But when you're in the fourth quarter and you're down by, was it five or six points they got it down to in the last four minutes, and you don't have the testicular fortitude <laughs> to not switch these screens, to say, you know what, Kawhi Leonard, you started off on, on Luka, don't switch it with Pat Bev. Just fight over it. And if you and if you have to you get pinned down and you can't do it, switch right back. I don't care if you have to let him get two or three steps ahead of you, but you switch right back. How easily... Kawhi and Paul George continued to just say, all right, cool. No, nah, we got it. Here's a, here's a screen. All oh, Pat Bev, you got it. Reggie Jackson, you got it. Like, if you are who they claim to be, you have to at some point nut up and say, I'm not going to let this guy beat me. I'm not going to let it happen. You saw with the Lakers, uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they went small the last four minutes when it got, when it got really, really close. And... Those were the two guys not just scoring offensively. They were making the defensive plays. LeBron was guarding at, uh, DeAndre Ayton for uh, an entire possession because Anthony Davis got switched under uh, to, to Devin Booker. Why can't Kawhi and Paul George, even for a possession, decide I'm not going to let this guy beat me? If Tim Hardaway Jr. makes a three over Reggie Jackson, fine. But they, they aren't even trying. They're just giving up on the screen over and over and over. They have no heart. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I, this is a Clippers team. I went on FS1 and called them frauds, and people came after me left and right. I said the clutch stats, I don't like what I've seen from the Clippers, no rim protection, and if you look at it, it's a layup line. Dallas is either taking layups or threes. They shot 58% from the field. Rob, 52% from three. Now, I know what you're going to say. That can't continue. Fine, maybe it doesn't. Okay, maybe it doesn't, and the Clippers come back and win. But... The Clippers, I believe, you guys can check me on this. I think they were a top 10 team defensive efficiency. Maybe they snuck in late. But for the Mavericks to run essentially a layup line and bang in threes left and right, I don't know that there's been a bigger game in Kawhi or Paul George's career for them in game three. Because if you lose that, you're not coming back from down 0-3. I did see a stat last night that teams that go up 2-0, winning the first two on the road, have won 27 of 31 series. I, that ain't good. The <laughs> yeah, Clippers, that definitely and, and, ain't good. That, that's not good. So, Rob, the funny thing is, way, way back, I don't know if it was when they lost to Denver or in the offseason, but I had speculated Kawhi to Phoenix. I had heard that from someone who kind of knows some stuff, just floated it. And I was like, oh, hmm, interesting. And I put on the pod, and you know, obviously people went after me, blah, blah, blah. Come on, get real. Kawhi's not leaving. You had the Paul George for Damian Lillard. That might be a tough sell if Portland gets by Denver. Um, I don't know what the solution is. And unloading Paul George is going to be extremely difficult, but there is zero chance you can bring back this team. Steve Ballmer, um, you know, the kind of guy who they show sitting in the front row and all he's all excited, you know. I haven't seen any footage of him in this series yet. Have you? No. Has he been at the games? I have not seen 
I mean, listen, it's got to be a tough blow when you're a billionaire and you own a team and you put together probably the greatest team in franchise history. Have they had a better team? I don't think so. And then you just get the snot kicked out of you. Just just humiliated by Luka Doncic. And Rob, uh, uh, before we get to Chris Mannix, I just want to say, is Luka Doncic the best player in the NBA right now? Okay, Jokic <laughs> is going to win the MVP. We get that. LeBron is 36. Anthony Davis is a really, really good player. Kawhi is very good. Um, Steph Curry, you know, is uh, incredible. When you look at Luka's supporting cast, you look at how he impacts the game. I think there's a case he could be the best player in the NBA right now. And I, I heard you snicker a little bit. He, You look at his supporting cast, bro. They start Dorian Finney-Smith. You would not have known him if he delivered a pizza to your house. They start uh, this guy, Kleber. Maxi Kleber who is uh, from Germany, okay? I, they don't have a great starting lineup. Like, Porzingis is good. He's always hurt. He's staying healthy in the series. Um, Rob, is Luka Doncic the best player in the NBA right now? No. He's very good. That was, that was pretty quick. No, he's very good. He's fantastic. And it's not a slight at Luka Doncic, but I just mentioned it. The, the Clippers are doing a horrible job trying to defend him. Like, but they have two great defensive players. Allegedly, that's what we've been told. When's the last time that you that you saw Kawhi become a defensive stopper? What? Not since San Antonio. Boy, this Kawhi legend of oh he he ended LeBron's heatles. Uh, he ended the Warriors. He didn't end shit. Let's be real, okay? The Heat were spent. <laughs> that team was that team was toast, and the Warriors all got hurt. And now we're seeing Kawhi ain't a true number one. That's a, that's a fact. In San Antonio, he was all, he might have been the best player, but he was not the leader. He was not the go-to guy. It was still Duncan and Parker's team. Even Manu, the big three. And in Toronto, Kyle Lowry was the heart and soul of that team. Yeah, Kawhi was their best player, but he wasn't the number one on that team. Kyle Lowry was the number one. You would agree with me, right? Just so I don't sound like an ass clown. Yeah, of course. There, there's a difference so, between being the best player and being the, the number one or the leader of a team. Yeah. Yes, there's a big and difference. And Kawhi is now in the position of leadership, and he ain't that dude. We can agree on that, right? I just I don't want to sound like I'm totally shitting on the Clippers, and Clipper Daryl's going to be like, oh, calling us the paperclips and frauds. I mean, he doesn't have a leg to stand on now. But he, Kawhi ain't that dude. We could, we, could, we could just admit that. It's not a knock. He's still a top 10 player in the league, but he is not ever, ever, ever to be discussed in the same sentence as LeBron James. Okay, let's just get that straight, folks, all right? Like, come on. Like, yeah, and and you know. now my uh, Dame Lillard for Paul George trade makes even more sense. Just because, you know, you can tell he's not a leader. He needs somebody to be the alpha. Yeah, I... I, I he's I mean, Anthony Davis. Like, Anthony Davis well, is a fantastic talent, but he's just not mentally yeah, cut he, out to be the leader of a team. I, I'm sure he's fine being the second banana to LeBron. I I, I do think the Clippers are going to have to sweeten that deal for Damian Lillard. Paul George, 28 on 22 shots, team high, negative 18. Um, <laughs> you don't want Luke Kennard you know, I, in his contract? <laughs> now, he did hit the over 26 and a half points, so I'm happy. He had 28, 12, and six assists. He wasn't awful, but one of seven from three. I don't think he hit the side of a backboard. But again, you just watch him play defense. There's a highlight where Luca takes him down low. Luca pump fakes. Paul George doesn't bite, and then Luca fades away and just swishes like a four footer over. And you're like, 
How did Paul George, who's like six foot nine, how did he not block that? I, I don't know, guys. I, I'm stunned. This Clippers um, series has me absolutely shaken. I've got to quickly look at the schedule for when they play next. Do you have it, Rob? I'll pull it up right now. I would assume it's Thursday. Um, I, you know, obviously tonight we have uh, we have some decent games. Wizards, Sixers, eh, but Hawks, Knicks should be good. And Jazz Grizzlies, the return of Donovan Mitchell. Uh, we talk a little bit about that with uh, Chris Mannix coming up in a minute. They don't play so, again until Friday. So they gave the paperclips an extra day. Finally, the league wisened up, right? Um, having the Lakers and Clippers on at the same time, as good as that was for um, watching games, like you need to spread those two out, man. Uh, so yeah, they don't play again until Friday. Um, a programming note: I will be at Lakers Suns. I will probably be wearing my Magic Johnson jersey, maybe just a Lakers T-shirt. I don't know. Um, you could be a fan; it's okay. Uh, all right. Without further ado, actually, Rob, any final thoughts on the Lakers? Do you think there's still a lock to get to the finals, assuming health is fine for LeBron and AD? Yes, yes, because I think they're only going to get better the more cohesion that they get and. It's impossible for their role players to play this bad for this for an extended period of time. And as long as LeBron and AD are reasonably healthy, I think there's no one in the West that can beat him. Yeah. And I just want to, before we get to Chris Maddox, I want to remind everybody that the Clippers tanked the final two games of the season against the two worst teams in the league because they were afraid of facing LeBron and the Lakers in the second round. Be careful what you wish for. The grass ain't always greener. The Clippers got the Mavericks, and they're down 0-2. Oh, my gosh. Ty Lue, boy, it's going to be a tough offseason if they do not pull this out. All right, without further ado, let's get to Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into the podcast a guy who probably has more jobs than anybody that I know in sports media. And, you know, when you get into the field, you want to be like, oh, I'll cover one thing. And then all these other offers come at you. This guy, Chris Mannix, covers basketball, boxing, Olympic. I mean, he does it all. Chris Mannix, how are you, man? I'm good, Jason. How you doing, man? I'm just trying to hang with you. And, uh, you know, I see your byline on (laughs) practically every sport. But I know you're a big basketball guy. I've, I've covered the sport forever. So I thought we'd bring you on for the NBA playoffs I'm curious, your thoughts on the opening weekend. The, the the ratings were pretty good, though they did go up against Phil Mickelson in golf. And we did see a couple upsets with the Knicks going down, the Lakers going down, the Clippers going down. But overall, first impressions on the playoffs. I thought it was a great uh, opening weekend on the heels of a really good play-in tournament, uh, the debut of this version of the play-in tournament for the NBA, which I thought, uh, for a lot of reasons, was wildly successful um, all in all, compelling. I think they've, they've been really good early on, which regardless of rating is, is all the NBA can ask for. Yeah, I know that there was a brush fire on social media about this whole mid-season tournament. I think it might have been Jamal Murray or some other player who was like, why, why do yeah. we need this stuff? But 
they're experimenting with it in the WNBA, I believe, and the play-in tournament has been a success. Chris, it feels like it's automatically happening in a couple years, this mid-season tournament. Well, maybe. Oh. It, it's, it's definitely Adam Silver's pet project, and he has been trying to sell NBA owners on this for some time. The, the problem is that the play-in tournament came with consequences, right? Like, the play-in tournament motivated teams to play hard over the last month of the season that might not have been playing hard different years. They might have said, you know what, if you're Washington, and I've had this conversation with Scott Brooks, and he, he effectively confirmed it. Like, if you know, Washington, you know, early March when they're struggling, they might have just mailed it in and said, Bradley Beal, look, we're going to get a high draft pick. We're going to pair some with you next year. Don't worry about it, Russ. You've had a quad injury. Don't worry about it. Instead, they plowed through, and now they're in the first round uh, of the playoffs. So the play-in tournament, I think, was impactful for that reason. I don't know how you make the midseason tournament impactful. Like, there's not going to be a team out there that is going extra hard to win the whatever trophy it is at the, the Michael end. Jordan Cup, or whatever. Yeah, the Michael Jordan Cup. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, more more likely players like LeBron and Kevin Durant and some of the older guys in the league will punt on it. Be like, all right, let's let's lose early and get out of this, and maybe give ourselves a little bit more time off if that's the way it ultimately gets gets formatted. Now, there's been some conversation about incentivizing it. Mm. I'll believe that when I see it. Like, mm. they, they can't get the money together yeah. incentivize a slam dunk contest. Like, that should be their first priority. Like, instead of having, you know, guys that played for the Indiana Pacers for like seven and a half seconds competing <laughs> in a dunk contest, like, maybe you can put some money on the pot to get LeBron in the dunk contest. So, until they do that, I'm not going to buy the NBA owners are going to put like $15 million on the table for the winning team of the midseason tournament. I just, yeah. I don't see it. I mean, it could, it could, they could make a ton of money in, in the TV rights to it, but you, I think you're right. Like, what does LeBron care for an extra $3 million? Like, he, he doesn't need that. I do wonder if there's a way to incentivize um, the playoffs or uh, the, the, the draft lottery. I don't, I, I haven't fully thought that through, but there's got to be something they could come up with, right? Because soccer has it overseas, but. It's a little more exotic as opposed to this closed NBA. The NFL would never experiment with anything like that. I don't know that baseball's tried, but they did pass interleague play, which has kind of been a hit, right? Huge hit. Um, you know, there's been some talk internally about the winner of the play-in tournament having some kind of incentive in the playoff. Maybe, maybe it is a first-round buy, something like that. Oh. Um, I don't see that happening either. I mean, that... It's a little bit too gimmicky, I think, for the NBA. And one of the chief complaints about the play-in tournament is that it waters down the result of the regular season. I disagree with that, but that's been a complaint of some players and some coaches and some teams. Uh, this would be even worse, right? If you have, like, a playoff being impacted by a play-in tournament, I, I just – that wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. And Look, one of the problems, too, is like, you know, you say it would be a boost for TV ratings. I don't know that it would be. Like, I, I look, at the NBA is hell-bent on trying to make people care more about January and February basketball. I don't know when it happens. I just don't know what you can do to make people care more about the very early stages of the 82-game season. The one thing they could do is shrink the amount of games that they play. Mm -hmm. That would be of interest, I think, to NBA fans and make each game more valuable. But – you're not going to do that. There's yeah. 
gate revenue, this TV revenue. Like they're they're trying to thread a, a very specific needle here, and I just don't think it's going to work. I'll come back to the playoffs in a sec, Chris, but, you know, just because you mentioned the Wizards and, you know, they made that run, they got to the playoffs, it doesn't look like Bradley Beal is going to pound the table and say, get me the hell out of Washington, I don't want to be here. We've seen other stars do that, you know, uh, Paul George, Anthony Davis, on down the list. And that's really driven the offseason, Chris, for about a decade. Since LeBron really, uh, you know, Danny Ainge built like, uh, you know, the, the Celtics big three, then LeBron with the Heat. Chris, I don't see any big player movement this offseason. I mean, who am I missing? Carl Anthony Towns, maybe. There was this random Jimmy Butler report that his agent really tried to knock down. Uh, who am I missing, Chris, that could hit the market? Give me a good name. Well, the name that's of consequence is Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi can opt out of his contract at the end of this season. And while it's been widely viewed as fait accompli that Kawhi signs a new deal. I mean, there's a financial incentive for him to wait until the offseason to sign a new deal with the Clippers. If they wound up bo- wind up bo- uh, bowing out early in the series, mm. I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket. I mean, I've written multiple magazine stories on Kawhi Leonard. I know nothing about him. <laughs> he is one of the more difficult guys to get a read on. I covered him in San Antonio. I covered him in Toronto. He's a tough guy to get a read on. So anyone that says they know what Kawhi's thinking, unless they're one of like three people, they don't really know. So if the Clippers wind up losing the series to the Mavericks and Kawhi's looking around going, what am I doing here? Like this team does not have the assets to get better. Uh, The Paul George thing works in the regular season, but clearly not in the playoffs. Why don't I make a change? And lurking out there, Miami. Because Miami is the kind of team that, you know, Pat Riley, Eric Spolster get involved. Regardless of what happens in the series, they are going to be an appealing free agent destination with the ability to get far enough under the cap to uh, find a player like Kawhi Leonard. So he's probably the most interesting player name on the market. I do think this offseason, though, is going to be dominated by potential moves by front office types, specifically Masai Ujiri uh, in Toronto, who is, you know, arguably the best GM in the NBA, you know, built the Raptors into what they they were a couple of years ago, made that bull trade for Kawhi. He does not have a contract with the Raptors for next season. He's talked about, you know, he likes it in Toronto, but he hasn't signed a new deal yet. And he's going to be a guy with a lot of options out there. So Masai's future, I think, could be the most impactful offseason move of any that's out there. Uh, I'll get back to Kawhi, but because you said uh, Masai no contract, the way that Ja Morant and the Grizzlies have got it together quickly, they're in the playoffs already. Zion in New Orleans has to be like, yo, we're not even in the playoffs. We weren't even close. Is there any way on earth New Orleans could lure Masai to New Orleans and quickly try to build something up, or is that too much of a pipe dream? No, they've got a great GM down there anyway in David Griffin. I mean, he just got the job a couple of years ago. I mean, he like, he, he built the champion in Cleveland uh, and they're on the upswing in New Orleans. It, it, you know, whether it's next year, or the year after, they're. I mean, they were in contention for a playoff spot this year. I, I think there's a pretty reasonable chance they're in the playoffs, or at least that playoff field uh, next year. And, and they're not. I know there's all this like got to keep Zion happy. He's in what year two year of two. a rookie contract, and no player history yeah. of rookie contracts has turned down a max extension when it's offered at the time. So. Zion is going to sign a max extension with New Orleans when that time comes. So he's tied to them for five more years, probably at least, if not longer. So it's not 
while they do want to build around him quickly, I don't think they're in any danger of alienating him to the point where it becomes problematic. My excitement over potentially Zion rejecting the rookie max extension, I think comes something from that there's really nobody on the market who's looking to get out, and you're looking to find someone who might. Um, I think that Zion thing's fascinating. I, I don't know. I mean, Chris, are you confident that, like, they're going to figure out this Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart thing? Because uh, No, I mean, these... Lonzo, Lonzo may not be back. I mean, they're going to move him before the trade deadline, and if somebody comes at Lonzo with a decent contract, I, I don't think the the Pelicans are, are going to re-sign him. So they'll be on the lookout for – for another point guard, uh, probably. But look, the, the issue with the rookie contract is you can't you can't get away from the team. Like they they can offer you a qualifying offer, right? So that qualifying offer, let's say for Zion, is for ten million dollars. In order for Zion to gain his unrestricted freedom the year after, he would have to sign the qualifying offer for ten million dollars. But he would lose the money in between for the max contract. A max contract says twenty five million dollars. That's money you can never get back. Like that's not like you can sign for max money for one year. He would make so much money, more money, signing an extension in that one year that to do that, to 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 turn it down would be leaving a fortune on the table. That's why guys just don't walk away from those contracts. You'd have to really hate your team and really be willing to bite the bullet to walk away from a max extension. Yeah, it's interesting. LeBron signed it. Uh, KD signed. Everybody's everybody. Everybody like you said nobody. Literally ever everybody taking it. I guess the point, the only question is, Chris, how much outside pressure is there now with social media amplified, these TV shows, everybody saying, hey, you know, your legacy, Zion, two years in, you can't even make the playoffs, John Moran's past you, you know, when are you going to be good? I, I just wonder if the outside chirping, you said nobody really knows Kawhi Leonard. Do we know what type of guy Zion is? How badly does he want to win? Because let's remember. He didn't even get to a Final Four at Duke. Hasn't been in the playoffs. Like, I, I love Zion. I think he's great. But at some point, he's got to win some games, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think he, there's an urgency there. He was an all-star this year, a candidate for all-NBA uh, on most people's ballots this year. I just don't think we're there yet where mm-hmm. it becomes a, a point of concern, either for the Pelicans or for Zion Williamson. If they got go into years three and four, and they're still kind of spinning their wheels and Stan Van Gundy doesn't look like he's working. And then maybe you can have a discussion about, is this problematic? But everything I've heard about Zion is that he's happy with his situation uh, in New Orleans and they're building the right way. They're, they're yeah. a young team. Uh, they do also happen to have like a billion draft picks they over do. the next few years as a result of some of the deals they've made, Drew Holiday being most notable. So they're in a pretty good position. I mean, as long as they draft well in the coming years, Zion's only what, 20, 21? Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's got a long way to go. And if they add, you know, talent around him that fits his age bracket, this team can grow together pretty quickly. All right. Let's go back to Kawhi. So this is kind of a, uh, I don't know if it's a hot or warm or lukewarm take, but what if, you know, let's say they lose to the Mavs or in the second round to Memphis or Utah, whatever. They can't lose Kawhi, keep Paul George and have no draft picks. What if Kawhi said, y'all need to trade Paul George? You want to keep me? Trade Paul George. Get him out of here. Find something. Oh, they would probably explore it, but like you're not going to get dollar for dollar value back on exactly. Paul George. Who signed? Yeah. Who signed 190 million contract extension last year? I mean, the Clippers basically had no choice but to extend Paul George because they gave away the store to get him. Shea Gilders Alexander. Every draft pick they have through like 2030. I mean, it's a little hyperbolic, <laughs> but basically, um, so they they 
they are wed to this mix. Um, and, and Kawhi's going to have to decide if he believes in this group, if he believes in Ty Lu, if he believes in Lawrence Frank, if he thinks they can build a championship contender. I mean, like I wrote this a couple weeks back. I mean, if this team does bow out in the first round, I could see Masai Ujiri working his way into the mix in, in L.A. I mean, you think you think Steve Ballmer, the deep-pocketed owner of the Clippers, wouldn't pay Masai Ujiri, you know, $15 million or whatever it would cost to, to, to get him to come and run the Clippers? I mean, I think this is – and I wrote this on, on Tuesday. Like, this is, like, the most important playoff series in recent Clippers history. I mean, this is everything. I mean, Steve Ballmer is paying $137 million in salaries this season. They're in the luxury tax. They're going to write a big check at the end of the year. Next year, if they keep Kawhi, that's, out, that's already – they're already at $145 million. So, I mean, it's it's a massive payroll, and he's not yeah. spending that money to get beat in the first round. So the, the Clippers are facing a lot of adversity if they don't, you know, at least get to the conference finals this year. Uh, so I am curious. When you look at the Eastern Conference and the situation with, like, the Wizards and Beal, like, I don't think anybody thinks they're beating the 76ers, right? I mean, 76ers have turned it around with Doc uh, and, and Embiid and Ben Simmons, even though he missed all his free throws in game one. Um, is there a scenario where the Wizards try to build around Beal and Westbrook or no chance there? No, I, I think there's a scenario. It just depends on Bradley Beal's attitude towards signing an extension this summer. Now, Bradley Beal has done exactly what you want a superstar to do. He has been publicly and privately loyal to the Wizards. He has not screwed up the chemistry of that team the way we've seen other stars screw up the chemistry of their teams. Like, you know, Anthony Davis is a great player, but he effectively sabotaged the Pelican season when he requested a trade in the middle of it. Like, he did. It, it didn't work like, out, though. Let's give him credit. Yeah, but it, it doesn't It out. doesn't matter. Like, yeah. it didn't work out immediately. It didn't work out before the trade deadline. It didn't work out. Like, Bradley Beal doesn't have to publicly make a trade demand. All Bradley Beal has to do is say, look, I'm not going to sign that extension this summer. That carries the same weight as a trade demand because if you're the Wizards, you simply can't risk losing Bradley Beal in the summer of 2022 for nothing. Like, you can't risk it. So unless you're 100% certain he's going to come back, you have to turn around and trade him. And by doing it that way, you're not the bad guy if you're Bradley Beal. I mean, I think Anthony Davis could have been, could have exited New Orleans the same way but not been the bad guy and not been, you know, the guy that kind of screwed up the end of that season. That, that, that was my biggest issue with what AD did uh, in New Orleans. He eventually got exactly what he wanted, but there's no reason to believe yeah. he wouldn't have gotten what he wanted if he had just said nothing, you know, gotten to the end of the season and gotten the trade to the Lakers anyway. Yeah. It's weird how, like, during the regular season, people can be awesome, things are great, and then the playoffs come, flame out, and it's like, all right, is this guy one out? And I don't know, Chris, I don't know what to make of this Donovan Mitchell situation. Um, you know, I guess when COVID hit, him and Rudy Gobert had their falling out and they didn't talk for a while and then everything was peachy and they had the best record in the league. And then the Jazz hold Mitchell out of game one, ultra conservative move. He chirps and now he's back. He's playing in game two. I mean, what's going on there? A any idea if, you know, I know that Dwayne Wade is supposed to be like a peacemaker. Uh, he's now an owner in Utah. What's going on with Mitchell? Yeah, I, I don't think it's anything significant. I, I wrote kind of in the magazine this month about kind of the last year of the, the Jazz and how they healed themselves, you know, from what looked to be a catastrophic ending back in March of 2020 to, to where they are now, the best record, excuse me, at the end of the regular season uh, in the entire NBA. I think the Jazz tried to steal one. I think they thought mm. they could catch Memphis and they're at home. 
The Grizzlies are not a great team. I think they thought what they had was enough and they could just get a win and buy Donovan Mitchell two or three more days of rest. I mean, you know, they're very aware of how LeBron came back and he came back early from an ankle injury and he had, he had to sit out another week or so because he retweaked it after that. I think they were trying to buy Mitchell a little more time. Obviously didn't love what they saw from him in practice that he they didn't feel he was 100% or close to it to hold him out. And I just think because it was the 1-8 matchup, because they were at home, because they played pretty well without Mitchell in the lineup, Bogdanovich yeah. had been great, Joe Ingles had been great, Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year. I just think they got a little, little cocky and thought yeah. they could steal one. They didn't, and now they're going to have to make up some ground uh, when Mitchell comes back. Yeah, I don't. It, it feels like there's all of a sudden pressure on Mitchell to be 100%, and that's like impossible. He hasn't played in a month. What is he at, three practices, Chris? I mean, yeah. th- th- this is not a great situation to go into, and he's going to draw Dylan Brooks, who is a bit of a dog defensively. We've seen him I, uh, play I've really been, well. I've been, on the, I've been on the Dylan Brooks bandwagon for defense for a while, I and mean, I voted him second-team all-defense, and that was before you know what we saw in the play-in tournament where he was hounding guys, you know, DeMar DeRozan, Steph Curry, uh, he did a great job, but he's going to get the assignment on Donovan Mitchell, and he's going to make Donovan Mitchell work uh, for the rest of this series. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not going to be easy. And I, I still think the Jazz have enough with a 80%, 90% Mitchell to win it. But this is it's not just this series where the pressure's on Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I've scoffed a lot at the idea that Mitchell should be criticized for not taking the Jazz deep into the playoffs. Like the Shaq mm-hmm. comments from back in January and some other stuff people have said that He's not that guy. He's never had a team around him where you believe that team could make a deep run. Last year in the bubble, they were without Mike Conley the first couple of games. They were without Bogdanovich for the entire series. Uh, There was still a lot of the drama that was going on around that team. This is the year, though. Like This is the year that the Jazz have all the pieces to be a championship contender. If they fall short and Mitchell falls short with them, any criticism I think of Mitchell will be warranted. But up until this point, it seems all kind of like, well, what did you expect the guy to do? Like, no matter how great he is, like, you don't expect a guy to perform. He doesn't have the teammates around him that can help him do it. Uh, all right, we'll wrap up with uh, the, what I think is a fascinating series, Hawks-Knicks. And, you know, Chris, uh, Trey Young obviously was phenomenal in the first game. I I thought he was a little Derrick Rose-ish when he came into the playoffs against the Celtics in Chicago. I mean, Trey Young got whatever he wanted in the lane. And, you know, I'm a, I've been a Knicks fan for a long time. I don't know if the Knicks have enough to offense to win this series. I mean, Alec Burks is not going to have 27 points, you know, five games in the series. I kind of like the Hawks here, but uh, I, I'm just curious as to your thought, Knicks finally back in the playoffs for the first time in a while. Are they all of a sudden becoming attractive to potential free agents? Ooh, the garden, it's buzzing. Spike Lee's jumping around like New York is cool again. Yeah, I think they're going to be very attractive to prospective free agents. They're not there yet. Um, and they don't need to be there yet. I mean, they've still got Randall under contract for one more year. These core guys like R.J. Barrett, Manuel Quickly, they're really young. So the Knicks, even though they're the four seed, are still very much a rebuilding kind of work in progress. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go out and add a big salary player to this roster anyway. You 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 want to you know use your draft pick middle of the first round, hit on that in the same way you hit on Emmanuel Quickly. Cross your fingers and hope Obi Toppin in year two is better than what he was in year one and, and keep building around these guys. I mean, they're still, they're not on that championship level yet, but once, you know, if these guys keep playing well and Leon Rose keeps making good decisions and Tom Thibodeau, who is an excellent coach. Like I never, 
Steve Tibbs lost his coaching chops. Like he is the least qualified human being in the history of people to hold both the general manager and the head yeah. coaching job. Like he's the human embodiment of that Spider-Man meme where he's like pointing like, <laughs> like you're fired or you're fired or you're doing it wrong. Like there's two different sides of him on that. He shouldn't be doing that job and never will again. But as a coach, he is excellent. I mean, the Knicks are the number one defense in the NBA and not a single player on that team is going to make the all defensive team. Yeah. Like that's wild. Like that's all Thibodeau and the principles that he's instilled with that team. So look, the Knicks being good are going to make players want to go there, but it's how they're good. It's like, Let's be good with all these young pieces and key positions. And then when a free agent comes along, that fits what we need. Whether it's a great point guard, a great small forward, we'll go all out at him. And that player will want to go there because of the culture that we have already established. So look, this series, I think it's a seven-game series and yeah. a coin flip, whichever way it goes. But regardless, this is all icing. Like the, the next season was a roaring success no matter what happens in these playoffs. I'm curious, where, where are you on the whole Lonzo Ball to New York speculation? I mean, I can't tell if this is being driven by Lonzo's agent to get, you know, the Pelicans to pony up, or is it real? Like, you know, uh, could they be interested in Lonzo at 20 mil? Uh, Chris, I I mean, Fred Van Vliet got 21 mil, and I think he's a much better player than Lonzo Ball. I know Lonzo had good numbers this year, but are you buying the Lonzo New York smoke? I'm buying it as a possibility. Um, I don't know how the Knicks will go with any offer. Chicago's also still interested in Lonzo Ball. They're another team that needs a point guard. So Lonzo's going to have some suitors this offseason, but that's a lot of money for a guy that's yet to prove he's a winning player. Good player, but yet to prove he's he's a winner on on a high level. So I think Tibbs would be able to bring out some things in him. His size would be an asset defensively. I think to that Knicks team. So yeah. I think he'd thrive in that system. And I think a kid from LA, UCLA, used to playing in the limelight, is not going to be intimidated by the atmosphere in New York. But if you're the Knicks, you got to be careful. Like two things you got to be careful about, you know, spending money on Alonzo Ball this summer and a Julius Randle extension. I mean, I know people love Julius yeah. Randle. He was first team all NBA on my ballot, most improved player wow. on my ballot, but he's he's got a year left in his contract. And if I'm the Knicks, I let that contract play out. Like, let's see him do this again yeah. in year two. If he can, open up the vault for him. Back up the Brinks truck. Pay him all you want. But, you know, where the Knicks have gotten in trouble in the past is spending too much when they didn't have to. And 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 with this team, I'd be very wary yeah. about where I put my money. So who else was on your first team All-NBA? Um, are you allowed to reveal that or no? Yeah, I, I who was on my first team All NBA? I mean, Steph, I like Randall. Randall's a bit of a surprise, but I mean, well, uh, I mean, so, at some point you got to like durability at some point became yes. a factor, right? Yep. Like you got like if a guy's playing 71, 72 games, yeah, yeah, that, that's 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 going to trump a player that's in the fifties. You know, so I'm assuming you, know, you had Jokic at center, Jokic at center, and you didn't have to. I I don't know why, but the NBA said you could put Jokic and Embiid. I didn't yeah. do it like this. I, I believe. Centers are centers. Jokic yeah. has always been a center, and he's always been a center. I put Jokic first team and Embiid second team. First team, I believe, was Giannis and Randall at the forward slots, and Stefan Luca at the uh, two guard slots. Mm, no Dame or Chris Paul. Interesting. Chris Tough one. Paul Dame and Chris Paul both both second team. Um, yeah. But like, and I did, I left Dame off the MVP ballot as well. It's just like, what do you do? Like, it's a tough year. You know, yeah. Luca was phenomenal for that he team. Was, he gets yeah. he gets almost as many. I think more double teams statistically. Yeah. Than Lillard gets like he, he was he was amazing. So it's not like a knock on Damian Lillard. It's like man, we just need more than five slots on this ballot to to recognize the players that 
that have the type of season that Dame did. All right, he is Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, NBC. He's everywhere. Uh, follow him on social media. Chris, thanks a lot for the time. Anytime, Jason. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.